And it's another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy620 or investinghope.com. You can listen to the podcast and the archive of the show. You can do that also at iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are found. You can find this show. We are grateful that you're listening. Uh, before I get into the news of the day, the news of the week, I, I want to talk about, we just completed the Battle of the Bottles between Grace and CAK here in Knoxville. And man, oh man, oh man, did these students show up and show out. Uh, between Grace and CAK, we raised over $30,000 between those two schools. The families, the, the, the kids, they just, uh, it's amazing to see what they were able to do and the amount of gifts that came in and the, the boldness in their stance and, and just grateful for them uh, and, and what they were able to do this year. Uh, it's the best battle of the bottles we've ever had. Over $30,000 raised, and, uh, and we're grateful for, to, to the administrations of the schools, uh, the families, the kids. Uh, just an amazing night last Friday night at the basketball game as we got to announce that. CAK came home with the trophy. We handed them the trophy uh, because CAK won this year in terms of they raised more money. Uh, but in, the, in reality, uh, both, both schools came together to do some good stuff, and we're grateful for that. Now I want to kind of focus and shift uh, to, to what we're talking about today. There's some news out of the University of Pennsylvania, University of Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, the, the, about some, some things that they're doing, experiments that they're doing on aborted and with aborted babies. And there was an investigation, and, and I want to talk about that because I think it's important. Sometimes this stuff gets swept under the rug. It doesn't get a lot of media coverage uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, and it may not come across your, your news feed, so I want to bring it to your attention. So this is over at thefederalist.com. Uh, you can find it. Madeline Osborne, Osborne uh, wrote the, the piece, and it says, After news broke last spring that the University of Pittsburgh is using aborted babies for taxpayer-funded medical research, often in barbaric experiments, Pitt asked an independent firm to conduct an investigation into their researchers' compliance with state and federal laws. The findings of that investigation were released last week, but the report arguably raises more questions than it answers. Hyman, Phelps, and McNamara, the D.C.-based law firm hired to conduct the regulatory assessment, said they found Pitt's academic research with human fetal tissue to be, quote, fully compliant with applicable laws, end quote. But a close reading of the 40-page report shows that HPM intentionally limited the scope of their investigation, allowing investigators to turn a blind eye to some of the most damning allegations related to fetal tissue research. HPM admits they did not investigate the two university clinics where university researchers sourced their aborted fetal tissue, the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center and Maggie Women's Hospital of UPMC, which is the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, where more abortions are performed than in any other hospital in the state. HPM reasoned they could only investigate activities for which Pitt has regulatory control, and that excludes University of Pittsburgh Medical Center because it is a private nonprofit that the university, quote, has no role in managing or supervising, end quote. This is a significant omission because some of the most atrocious allegations, including labor-induced partial birth abortions, occur at University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Investigators instead focused on fetal tissue that is collected and distributed by the Pitt Biospecimen Corps. What investigators failed to mention is that P PBC laboratories are located inside University of Pittsburgh Medical Center hospitals, including one in the Maggie Women's Hospital. 
HPM tried to justify the serious omission with the caveat that, that even though they cannot hold Pitt responsible, they did evaluate, quote, whether Pitt satisfied its independent duty to confirm compliance of specified activities related to fetal tissue undertaken by University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, end quote. In the limited investigating they did do of the medical center, they found issues with incomplete forms of the medical centers used, uh, used for obtaining consent from pregnant women to use their baby's organs for research. Those forms were included in the report and tell us a lot about how consent is obtained. The report said they did consider whether there were any conflicts of interest between Pitt and Planned Parenthood of Western Pennsylvania. Found there were no, quote, illegal arrangements, end quote, but did not provide any details on who they spoke to or how they arrived at that conclusion. Yet they felt the need to explain that if Pitt did have contracts with Planned Parenthood of Western Pennsylvania, such an arrangement would not be, quote, inherently unlawful. There is no law preventing Pitt from supporting Planned Parenthood of Western Pennsylvania if it chooses to do so. That's what the investigators wrote. There may be no law, but conflicts of interest between Pitt and uh, Planned Parenthood do run amok. Not only did, do Pitt faculty moonlight as abortionists at Planned Parenthood abortion clinic located just six minutes away from Maggie Women's Hospital, but in 2014, Center for Medical Progress David DeLayden recorded videos of Planned Parenthood associates admitting Quote, there is a tissue bank at Pitt that we offer to patients to donate. A vice chair of Pitt's Institutional Review Board uh, is also the medical director of Planned Parenthood's Western Pennsylvania and oversees Planned Parenthood's abortion training fellowship at the University of Pittsburgh. Chen, who is the, uh, the vice chair, also serves as Maggie's director of family planning, was listed in an annual report from Pitt as, quote, outreach contracted care, End quote, along with three other doctors for Planned Parenthood Western Pennsylvania. The IRB, a focus of the investigation, is responsible for reviewing applications to conduct research involving human subjects conducted at the university. Yet they simply concluded that Chen had no conflicts or violations. Pitt has denied it has any procurement relationship with Planned Parenthood. The study that first caught the public's attention about how taxpayer dollars are being spent involved grafting aborted baby scalps onto the back of rats, who were then deemed, quote, humanized. The study, which was funded by National Institutes of Health, includes graphic photos showing little infant hairs growing on rodents' back, the same way they would on a healthy child's head, as well as a note about where researchers obtained the baby scalps. De-identified human fetal tissues at the gestational age of 18 to 20 weeks were obtained from medically or elective indicated termination of pregnancy through Maggie Women's Hospital of the University of Pittsburgh's Medical Center with the University of Pittsburgh Health Sciences Tissue Bank. Investigators' report contradicts that note included in the study, claiming that of the 31 studies they reviewed, this particular study was one of the five that did not obtain fetal tissue from the Pitt Biospecimen Corps located within the hospitals. Instead, the investigators say this particular study obtained their tissue from a commercial tissue supplier, ABR, or Advanced Bioscience Resources. If ABR sounds familiar, that's because it's the commercial tissue supplier who was exposed for trafficking baby body parts from Planned Parenthood facilities to researchers and essentially became a scapegoat when they were for, first caught selling those baby parts in 2015. It remains unclear where the baby scalps for this study were obtained. Were they from ABR, as the investigators found, or from the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, as the researchers who conducted the study wrote? What is Pitt trying to hide by contradicting its own research? 
Although the investigators declined to hold Pitt responsible for any activities at the Women's Center or at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, investigators found primarily technical but not legal issues with how the hospital obtained consent from women being asked to contribute to their aborted baby's organ tissues. Investigators focused on consent forms. They found unsigned as well as whether the person performing the abortion is involved in obtaining the consent. In focusing on this issue, investigators included the four-page form from Maggie Women's University of Pittsburgh Medical Center entitled Consent to Act as a Participant in Research, Fetal Tissue Consent Form, in their report. Statements on this from form entice women with abortion, saying donating their baby, quote, may contribute to a new discovery or treatment, end quote, calling it a, quote, potential benefit to society, end quote. In order to prevent any kind of persuasion, state law requires clinicians to wait 24 hours after a woman has consented to an abortion before presenting her a donation consent form. Yet it's entirely possible that a woman who arrives for her appointment but has changed her mind about undergoing an abortion is influenced after a nurse or an abortionist consults with her about donation. Quote, structuring a policy that allows elective abortions for experiments for research and new discovery is a perverse incentive on women and families. This practice must end, said retired Pennsylvania Superior Court Judge Cheryl Allen in a statement. Pitt and the lawyers they hired at, uh, clearly have no intention of addressing the initial allegations or answering questions such as, did Pitt fac- facilities perform illegal partial birth abortions? or infanticide in operating a fetal kidney harvesting program. Instead, the report backfired, raising even more questions that lawmakers and taxpayers must demand answers to. Those include, why did investigators choose not to explore the relationship between Pitt and the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center in terms of both finances and shared resources? And why is Pitt now contradicting its own research by saying that the tissue grafted onto rats and mice was obtained from ABR, not University of Pittsburgh Medical Center? Will the investigators be releasing the documents or interviews their assessment was based on? That's the question. Look, I brought that up to you because these things are happening. If you remember years ago when David Aladen was able to capture on hidden camera conversations with ABR and conversations with Planned Parenthood executives, and and all that was done, what, what, what happened was the judges went after David Aladen. Even though he posted all the unedited videos, everybody said those videos were edited. He posted the unedited videos on YouTube for everyone to see. And then it was swept under the rug and they moved on. If you'll remember what happened with Kermit Gosnell, that was swept under the rug. It was in the news for a short minute and the damage was done. He was convicted. He was put away for life and it was swept under the rug. And now we don't talk about it. The same thing with this. These studies show that they were using tissue from aborted babies for experiments. And, and now we, we know some of these consent forms weren't even signed by the moms. And yet the investigators were like, eh, you know, nothing unlawful. Maybe some technical problems, but nothing unlawful. But, but we still have more questions. And if we had real journalism, we'd get to the bottom of it. But unfortunately, we don't tend to have that because, well, if I get to the bottom of this, it's going to hurt my narrative and hurt my position, and so I don't want to do that. But these things matter. It matters what 
university systems are doing. It matters what nonprofits are doing. It matters what these folks are doing and, and selling and, and exchanging. And it ultimately matters what they're doing with aborted babies. And are they coercing these women? You know, they want to say that pregnancy centers coerce and manipulate women, which is, you know, laughable. We don't do that. But they, they're happy to say that all the time. So my question is, are these women being coerced, manipulated to have an abortion for the greater good, for science? You don't need this baby. Abort it, and we can use it for science, for the greater good, to see if we can grow hair on the back of rats. That's what your baby could be used for. You see, this is hard to discuss and to hear, but, but it's important that we have these conversations. It's important that we know what, what hospitals are doing that are state or federally funded because that's taxpayer dollars being used. I'm all for the greater good. I'm all for science advancement. I'm all for figuring out what is the best and what's not the best and, and experiments and all those things, but I'm not for doing that on aborted babies. I mean, if you'll remember just a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, there was conversations around experiments that were being done on puppies and beagles. And they were horrific. We heard more outcry on that than we are on what's happening with aborted babies at, at Pittsburgh. And if it's happening at Pittsburgh, where else is it happening that we just don't know yet? And maybe we'll find out sooner rather than later. You see, these things matter because, yes, we want to go for the greater good. Yes, we want science uh, to advance. But we don't want to do that on the back of babies being aborted. We don't want to do that on the back of women being manipulated or coerced. I mean, if we're going to have steps for people to follow, at least follow the steps. And so, yeah, there are more questions that need to be answered, and I hope we will get those answers. But until we, until we do, we're going to talk about it here. The Federalists will write about it. Some other folks may write about it and talk about it. But we're not going to let this alone because it matters. Life matters. And what we're doing to the most vulnerable of life in the womb matters. We'll talk more when we come back. As we continue the conversation today, look, you know, I wanted to focus on, on what's happening at, um, at Pittsburgh because if you think that's the only place it's happening, you are mistaken. I mean, it's definitely happening at universities. There's definitely conflict of interest. Uh, there's definitely doctors that are, that are working with and performing abortions while also um, working within the hospitals to, to provide care. Um, there's, there's definitely those things going on that, that people should be aware of. I mean, if, if my wife went to an OB, I would be concerned if that OB was, when they're not seeing us, they're performing abortions. That, that would concern me. That seems to be a conflict. And so we should hold them accountable. We should hold the administrations accountable 
we, we shouldn't just say, hey, the advancement of science uh, trumps all, and so we'll, we'll do whatever and whenever we want to do experiments, we're going to, and we'll use human parts and, and aborted babies, and, you know, if we get consent or not, we're, we're going to do it. That, that's a problem. Because then the question comes, well, are these doctors being incentivized? Are these science, scientists being incentivized to, to get more aborted babies? Because if they're being incentivized, that's a conflict as well. You can't tell me, hey, I'm pro-woman, but also you're making a, a crap ton of money off of abortion. That, that doesn't, you're being incentivized to provide more abortions. So it should concern us. There's a piece over at the National Review, and, and the, it's titled, Americans Aren't Extremists on Abortion, written by Catherine Lopez. Um, it says, all life is worthy of dignity and respect. Inside St. Patrick's Cathedral, the Sisters of Life and Cardinal Timothy Dolan prayed for the protection of all human life. It was the 49th anniversary of the Supreme Court's grave Roe v. Wade decision, which ushered in a regime of unfettered access to abortion, as Cardinal Dolan noted. He talked about his own niece, who shares a birthday with Roe, who at a young age faced a serious cancer diagnosis. Her doctor talked to her about how he thought he could help her but also that we belong to God and it is for him to ultimately decide when it's time to go home to him. She's in her 30s now, married with a daughter who was adopted as a baby. Dolan also talked about two police officers who were shot the night before in New York City. He visited the family of one who had already died and prayed at the bedside of one who would die later in the week. The man who shot them was, the same ho- was in the same hospital being treated by a team of doctors because it's not the doctor's call to decide who lives and who dies who is worthy of care, and who isn't. Each patient receives the care they need. At least that's how medicine is supposed to work. When we live at a time of abortion, physician-assisted suicide and medical rationing, something has gone wrong. Outside the cathedral, people were yelling and swearing. Gathering a, 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 let's see, I can't even say the word. It's a explicitive, the March for Life. So it's not the March for Life, it's a, a group of folks that are protesting the March for Life. They were, they were making a commotion outside the cathedral. Some of the organizers and participants regularly protest prayer vigils and masses for life in New York City. If they didn't choose to believe a caricature about the people praying, they might just come to know that we are praying for them, not because we think them evil, but because we know they don't see life for what it is. They don't know that there are networks of services to help women in need. Instead, their signs protest forced birth, is what they call it. In New York, in, in the near term, abortion isn't going to end. It's probably going to increase if Roe is overturned in the Mississippi abortion case now before the Supreme Court. Already, the current governor has implored pregnant women in Texas, where a heartbeat bill has been in effect since September to come and have Lady Liberty embrace them for their abortions. Think about that. Lady Liberty, the Statue of Liberty, is supposed to represent freedom. Come one, come all. Bring your tired. But apparently the governor of New York is saying that Lady Liberty stands not for the unborn in the womb. Come one, come all. Bring all, but not the unborn. Bring them so that we can end their life. That is what the governor of New York is saying. The Vigil for Life at St. Patrick's was also the regular Saturday night vigil mass in anticipation of Sunday. 
The people who were there because of the Roe anniversary stayed for an hour of prayer afterward, but it was other mass goers, many of them presumably tourists, who wound up accosted after mass with explicitives from the abortion supporters. It's one thing to harass the people who by now know what they are getting into when they pray and witness for life on the hostile streets of New York. It's another for us unassuming Sunday mass congregants to see what abortion extremism looks like. It's basically what pro-abortion politics is, unvarnished. The professionals use words like choice and health care, but these folks projected God loves abortion. That's what they said outside the cathedral. God loves abortion. They projected that literally onto the cathedral in bright colors. That's what these protesters did. Most people aren't there. The day before, Marist poll numbers commissioned by the Knights of Columbus found that 71% of Americans support legal limits on abortion. I don't think most Americans even know that you can get an abortion pill in the mail under the Biden administration, which is why we talk about it here often. And 63% of those polled oppose that policy. We're not actually an extremist nation when it comes to abortion. And the more people see the extremism, the more I pray that abortion will be seen as the human rights travesty of our time, which touches so many aspects of human life, making people miserable and our society more violent, pitting mother against child, the most fundamental relationship there is in letting men off the hook. Abortion is not good for women and the children who are killed in it or for the men who want to be selfishly use, use women and girls for their own gratification. On the night before the March for Life in Washington, uh, at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, where Pope John Paul II, Pope Benedict, and Pope Francis have all prayed, there was an annual Mass. Unbeknownst to those of us praying outside, or praying inside, a much more professional group calling themselves Catholic projected pro-abortion language on the outside of the Basilica. A reporter who was outside tweeted a photo, or most of us wouldn't have known, that was a desecration beyond what the angry God loves abortion people were doing. None of them have told me they are Catholic. But people who use the faith to make God in their own political image are committing an offense against God and his great gift of life, an offense that hurts and confuses and ultimately kills. All life is sacred and fragile, Cardinal Dolan said. All life is God's alone to give and to take. At the D.C. Mass, Archbishop William Lorry of Baltimore talked about so many of the Catholic Church's ministries that serve women, including women who have had abortions to heal. And he challenged everyone present and listening to step up to the plate and walk with moms in need, as an initiative of the U.S. Catholic Bishop urges. In reparation for the evil of abortion, we need more and more people showing what it means to be pro-life. It's love for women and children, not violence. We need a culture where the options to abortion are ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. This can be done. It must be. And we must fight. And we might just find some common ground along the way with more Americans than not. See, if you just listen to the culture, and if you just listen to cable news, and if you just read the New York Times and, and others, you might think the bulk of the populace are extreme on abortion. That's not the case. Poll after poll after poll after poll shows that. And again, just like this article said, and just like we say here often, Many people don't know that the new abortion clinic is the mailbox, that during the pandemic, the, the administration made it easier. The FDA made it easier to get abortion in the mail. So now pills are coming to the mailbox. Now mailmen, male women are delivering 
pills that will end the life of a baby in the womb, unbeknownst to them. Many of our population don't know that's happening, even though the bulk of our population say they're not in favor of that rule. And so here we are, living in a time, the greatest time to ever be alive, where we've, we've spent the last two years, even non-believers, even secular folks, saying we, if we can just save one life, we need to do this or we need to do that, while all along trying to make it easier to get abortions. You see, when they talk about saving a life, they don't consider the baby in the womb a life. Now, they'll consider that baby a life if they're invited to a baby shower. If a friend of theirs tells them that they're pregnant, they're going to say congratulations because of that life in their womb, but they're also going to argue for abortion all the way up to nine months. The inconsistency is something to behold. We'll talk more about that when we come back. Stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. So as we continue the conversation, you know, what I, what I try not to do every week uh, is just be angry and bitter. And um, that's not my heart. That, that's not where I want to come from. That's not where my opinions are. Uh, are found, yeah, I'm angry. I mean, when I hear about what's happening at the University of Pittsburgh, I, I get angry. When I hear about um, laws in, in different parts of the country, I, I'm, I'm angry. When I hear about inconsistency in laws in different parts of the country, I get angry. When, when I see people protesting outside of a Catholic church, and saying things like, God loves abortion, yeah, I get angry because those things are, are wrong. But those folks are, are looking for a response. You know, the, the same God that they claim to, to know it, it, it's always interesting to me. Let me say this when folks that, that say they don't believe the Bible, they don't believe in God, but then use the Bible and use God to. Uh, manipulate our words or or, uh, or is to say, well, the God you serve says this or says that. Well, if, if you don't believe in the God that I serve, then, then what do you care what that God says? If you don't believe in God, you think it's some kind of fairy in the sky that we believe in, then what do you care? And why are you wasting energy? But you see, my language isn't inconsistent. I believe life begins at conception. I believe life has value. I believe life was created by the creator of the universe. I believe that. Wholeheartedly. And you know what we're doing? We're actually putting actions to those thoughts and beliefs at Hope Resource Center. We're, we're providing a support system. We're providing funds. We're providing effort. We're providing education. We're providing mentoring for these folks that are going through difficult times. So, so when I say it, it's not, it's not inconsistent for me, but when you congratulate a friend of yours for being pregnant, or you go attend a gender reveal party because you want to you celebrate with a friend of yours, or you go out and buy baby shower items for a friend of yours because you want to celebrate the life that is growing inside of her, and then you turn around and say that abortion is okay all the way up to nine months. 
or abortion is okay during rape or incest, or abortion is okay if it involves a Down syndrome or, or some other prenatal issue, then you're the one being inconsistent, not me. So it isn't my responsibility to prove you right or wrong. It's your responsibility to explain to me why those aren't inconsistent, why those two things aren't inconsistent. Right? I mean, if you are mourning a miscarriage with a friend of yours, and then the very next day you post online, shout your abortion, explain to me the inconsistency there. What are you mourning with your friend? What are you sad over with your friend? We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, how, how some businesses and, and organizations are offering bereavement for those that have an abortion. Well, what are, they, what are they grieving in those moments? You see the inconsistency there? What, what, are you, what are you upset about? Why are you sad? I even looked at a local abortion clinic the other day, and on their website it says, we have counselors available for you after the abortion because we know this is a difficult time. Why is it a difficult time? Why? It's only a difficult time if you got rid of something. It's only a difficult time if, if that abortion actually ended something. It's not difficult if you got rid of a blob. It's not difficult if you got rid of a clump of cells. When you tear your ACL and you're going through rehab, typically there's not going to be counseling for you. Why? Because let's, you just go through it. It's not going to be easy, but you work through it. So, so why would a medical procedure that they tell me, the abortion industry tells me this is just another medical procedure just like anything else, just like having your gallbladder removed. Well, my dad had his gallbladder removed a, a couple weeks ago. He was back at work the next day. There's no counseling involved. Why? Because it was a gallbladder. It wasn't a life. It didn't have a heartbeat. It didn't have its own DNA, its own brain, its own fingerprints. So they're admitting in their language that something is no longer there. And that something is so connected to you that you need counseling because we know this is a difficult time. There's businesses out there that, that claim to be for women's health and, and pro-abortion and shout your abortion and all these things, yet they're putting in their policies, we're going to offer bereavement and, 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 and we want you to get the help you need if you have an abortion. So, so they're admitting the toll that it takes. My question is, why is it taking a toll? When we go to the funeral home and we walk through the line and we shake hands and we hug with loved ones as they're mourning the loss of a friend, of a relative, of a, of a spouse, of a child, even if you don't know them personally, tears will probably come to your eyes. Why? Because you're connected in a way, uh, because it's humanity. It's us knowing how difficult it is to say bye to a loved one. 
It's us knowing how difficult it is to know this is the last time I'm going to see my wife, my husband, my child, my grandparent, my friend, my cousin. We know it down to our bones how difficult it is. And that's why Christians and non-Christians alike go through that line and offer condolences. Because we all recognize there was a life and now there is no longer a life. And we know that's difficult. And we may not have the words, but maybe this hug will, will offer some type of, of condolence. Yet we live in a society where we abort and end the lives of close to 3,000 babies every single day. So yeah, sometimes I, I seem angry. Yeah, that's why. All I'm saying is is be consistent. No one wants to shout their abortion. Deep down, they may post it on social media because they they know they'll get some likes, some shares, they'll get some attention. But deep down, no one wants to shout that. And so we, we need to be at a place as a society and as a, as a culture, which we won't see on this side of heaven. But we need to be at a place where, where we're willing to admit. And, and they're slowly getting there. They will still say everybody who wants one should have an abortion. But the fact that they're offering counseling, the fact that they're admitting that, that this is a difficult decision, points to the life in the womb. If it's just another medical decision, it's not a difficult decision. If it's just another medical procedure, it's not going to need counseling. What do you think they're talking about in those counseling sessions? What type of questions do you think they're, they're asking? You think that mom may say, was that my son that I just aborted? Was that a life? Was that my daughter? Am I going to regret this? Is this going to hang over my head the rest of my life? Now, what type of answer are they getting from secular therapists in those situations? Therapists, granted, that, that have said, you need counseling because this is a tough decision. And now I'm in counseling and I'm asking hard questions. What answers are you giving me? Are you now telling me that this was a life? That this was, in fact, my son or this was, in fact, my daughter? That I took the life of my son or daughter? That, that, that you pitted me against them in a violent manner? What do those sessions look like? Or are they saying, no, no, you did this for you. What matters here is you. What matters here is your mental health. What matters here is your life, not the life that you ended. What kind of help is that? But you see, the abortion industry for so long said there was no lasting ramifications. There was no need for counseling. But even they're admitting now there are lasting ramifications. Counseling is needed. But if we call them on their own language, 
then the question must be, counseling for what? Right? What, what are we mourning here? What are we upset about? Why is this going to stay with me for a long time? Why, why will I wake up in the middle of the night and think, I'm no longer pregnant? Why, when I go to see my niece graduate kindergarten, will I think, my son should have been walking that aisle too? Why, when I go see my, my nephew graduate high school, I think my, my daughter would be graduating right about now? You see, these are things that, 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 that occur and feelings that occur, but we've spent years, years, telling people there were no lasting ramifications. And think of the damage that that has done to our populace. We'll be back. As we finish up today, I want to point you to uh, our website, investinghope.com, where you can partner with us and, and join us in the work in the fight for life. I also point you to that, that 2022 is, is Hope's 25th year of service here in Knoxville. If you want to learn more about that, you can go to uh, investinghope.com. Also, we have our banquet for the first time in two years. Uh, we're going to be back in person at the press room April 28th. You can learn all about that at investinghope.com as well. We'd love to see you out there. We're going to share stories. Uh, talk about the past, the, the present, and the future of hope, and, uh, and just come together with, with folks of like mind that, that are celebrating life, and, and we can't wait to, uh, to see you there and, and have that. Uh, over, the next, uh, over the last few weeks, I've been speaking at a number of churches, spoke at Calvary Baptist this past week, the week before I was at, uh, where was I? Uh, <laughs> I was at another church, and, you know, they all kind of run together. This week, I'll be at Hardin Valley Baptist. I'll be speaking there this week, and the next week I'll be at First Baptist in North City. I've been at Calvary Chapel, uh, been at Seventh-day Christian Assembly, and uh, just grateful for any opportunity I get uh, to speak about life and, uh, and hope and, and to speak about Jesus. was at Black Oak Heights uh, last week as well. And so uh, we're just grateful. We're grateful to partner with folks. We're grateful to stand with you for life. And, uh, and look, you know, we're going to talk about some hard things on this show, and I understand that there may be some people listening to this that are post-aborted. And some of these conversations, some of these things that, that get brought up bring back uh, some difficult memories and, and bring back uh, pictures in your mind that you, you, want it, you don't want to see, maybe that you buried, maybe that you've uh, forgotten about. And I would just say to you, if you haven't sought out healing, uh, not from some secular person in, in our world, but... Sought out healing from the God of the universe. That, that Jesus went to the cross for you on your worst day. Now some folks that went through abortion that are post-abortive would say that was their worst day. Well, Jesus covers that. The grace he offers covers that. You need to know that today. You can spend the rest of your life beating yourself up and uh, what ifs and, and all of that. Or you can accept the free gift of, of grace from our God. And I hope you get that message today. I hope you realize that today. Anyone that's listening, whether you're post-abortive or not, the reality is that grace is for you. Jesus took what we couldn't, died the death that we couldn't, lived the life that we couldn't, and rose again 
to secure our salvation. And what a gift that is, to have that peace, to have that relief. Because even though the, the abortion industry, it seems uh, counterintuitive, it seems inconsistent to offer counseling, what we know as gospel people, as pro-life people, is that it isn't, that, w- that you definitely need counseling. That this is a, a, a hard, hard, hard thing to go through. And that those questions that populate your mind are going to be there. And our heart breaks for you. And we want to point you to a greater truth, that, that the God of the universe loves you, cares about you. And so as, as we think through this, as we, as we have these conversations, as we think about what's happening in our own society, in our own culture, let's celebrate the victories. Let's celebrate the wins. Let's celebrate the lives that are going to be impacted at Hope today. The ultrasounds that will be given today. The pregnancy test that will be given today. The parenting class that will happen today. The mentoring that will happen today. The life choice that will happen today. We celebrate those. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean it's going to be a walk in the park. It's going to be tough. Storms are going to come. Difficulties will come. Sometimes our kids will disobey. Sometimes they'll go their own path. Sometimes we won't have the money we think we should have. Sometimes we won't have the house, the car, the clothes we think we should have. Sometimes we can't give them the life that we had. Sometimes we want so bad to give them a better life and we can't do that either. But you gave them a life. Think about that. What a blessing it is. It truly is a gift. The life that that we have been given. Don't take that for granted. Don't be motivated in anger and bitterness. Love your neighbor well. Stand for the vulnerable in our society, which are the most vulnerable is the the unborn. And do it in a way that honors God. Do it in a way that celebrates the truth of the gospel. And I promise you, you're not going to regret that. We'll talk to you next week. 